Hey, look, animals in general, you just don't mess with them. Animals, like, you have these people who have chimpanzees as pets and tigers as pets, and then everyone acts all surprised when the tiger one day is like, I'm, I'm a freaking tiger, I'm, I'm going to eat you. Like, that's what they do. You have to be willing to rewatch a movie. Oh, hell yeah. Strawberry banana. Oh, Please don't aggregate this. Lillard, long range three. Their defense is atrocious. I'm sort of the rock star. People, Tiso is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. Yeah, we love China. We love no playing there. Oh, man. I'm sorry. It's just hitting me right now. Shut up and listen. You think you're better than me? Hey guys, it's Chris. Real quick note here at the top of the show, we are having a slight issue with Ben's mic around the 25, 26 minute mark. You will notice a subtle difference in the sound of his mic. Um, Hopefully it's a little easier on the ears. And without further ado, here's the top of the show. All right, we are back. This is Swish FM, Chris Wendelkin and Ben Crabb. Ben, the uh, NBA preseason is about to tip off. We have our first slate of games, I believe, on Friday for the preseason. Very excited to watch the Knicks and the Pistons. How you doing, my friend? Are you putting in uh, late nights of fantasy basketball uh, research and prep? How are you holding up here in the offseason? It's funny. I don't think I've even uh, mentioned that to you, but that, that's a, a very accurate prediction, Chris. I sort of assumed. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I don't think this is something that we fully fleshed out in our, was it our last episode that we did our, our, uh, our PSA? Um, or was that two episodes ago now? I don't know. Um, well, no, I guess it was two episodes ago. We did the PSA and then we, uh, we had an immediate emergency with, uh, Westbrook. The traded. emergency was, was the most recent, yeah. right? So in our PSA episode, um, which we've gotten a lot of, uh, very, very yeah. positive feedback about, um, Obviously, um, but uh, again, I'll, I'll reiterate to our listeners as much as I love the handwritten notes and the you know the texts, the emails, yeah. um, the uh, you know out of the blue um, approaches on the street. Um, we would really love all that all that praise to be funneled into the iTunes reviews. You'd if you love to that. see it channeled yeah. into an iTunes review. It's the only or, thing that the, that the OTL Inc. bosses uh, really uh, understand or respond to. So, yeah. Um, but um, in that episode, I think one of the sort of sensations that I didn't fully articulate is how during the bubble, um, I had that not only did I have like sort of a, like a lack of like genuine yeah. interest, but I also sort of felt, um, you know, like a little moral kind of ambiguity. ethical yeah. yeah, ambiguity and like, and just kind of like, uh, like hesitance and, and just kind of, you know, a little, a little qualm, uh, qualms, qualm, can a qualm be singular? I don't know. Um, but, um, but there was like something kind of like holding me back. Um, now I think, like some like some sort of change has occurred inside me where all of those moral, ethical, uh, you know, medical uh, sort of like concerns still exist. But I've like kind of it's like I've gone to the dark side. Yep. Um, and instead of trying to like sort of navigate that or like figure out like uh, is this okay, I've just like fully 
sort of embraced um, the just awful, just like barbarity and um, and 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 just like uh, and dark the darkness basically of you know uh, of like. <laughs> like 2020 uh, America and and the NBA and and like what is happening like instead of being like instead of trying to like sort of say like oh yeah this is like sort sort of wrong but I sort of you know I can't help but sort of be interested I'm just like you know what no fuck it it's all awesome <laughs> and great yeah and I am yeah. obsessed um, well I have to say is... Ben like I'm hardly surprised like anyone who's listened <laughs> to this show long enough knows that there is like a really slippery slope with you there's it's like a very yeah. fine line between like black there's and white there's a tipping point mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's always it always honestly seems to be fantasy sports, fantasy basketball in particular. That is the straw that breaks the camel's back with you. I would say that, like, because you famously had your Dark Ages period. You had a, you had a period of your life where you, as a fan, uh, left basketball. It was, mm-hmm. you know, something for you that was sort of like a childhood love and passion. And you had your, your 90s Knicks teams that you were very enthusiastic about. And you had that great bond with those Knicks teams. And then there was kind of like a a life moment where you said like, you know what? I think I'm good now. I think I'm done with basketball. And you just sort of moved on to other interests and you developed other hobbies and, you know, you read books and you obviously, you know, you're a huge movie guy. Like you took up interests in movies and music and all that. And you went off to college and eventually, eventually I became something of a, of a Renaissance man. I think it's safe to say. Yes. Eventually there was a, full circle moment, right? There was a there was a coming back to where we all started and mm-hmm. it was with fantasy basketball when you were um coerced into joining our fantasy basketball league and the thing about our league is you know you don't like no one no one wants to just be in it for the participation trophy. So if you're going to be in a league that's this competitive and fun you have to win it. Like there's no sense mm-hmm. in just doing a half-hearted job. Cuz and cuz we've all been in those fantasy football leagues where it's like I don't really like the NFL. I actually don't watch any of the games. I'm basically just in this fantasy football league with my cousins to like to just to keep it going for their it's really about like as a generosity thing. It's like I'll I'll keep this alive for you guys, but I actually have no active right. interest in winning or any of the players involved. And, um, and that, you know, that is not the case with our fantasy basketball league. And this is always the tipping point with you, Ben. It is always fantasy <laughs> basketball that drink that just drags you back in. Um, cause like you said, we've outlined in great detail, all the sort of moral and ethical qualms that we have with the NBA and all the reasons we would rather just sit this one out. But look, if there's going to be a fantasy basketball season, and we're gonna play. Um, yeah. Then there's yeah, no all sense that's out the like, window. Yeah, there's no sense in sitting on the sidelines for this. Yeah, no, we're taking. Yeah, we're taking the. We're 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 cutting the brakes. Uh, we're we're just going full steam here. Yep. Um, there is there is no ambivalence. There is no ambiguity. Nope. Um, it is uh, full steam, balls to the wall. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I am. And uh, it does feel like this is what America is doing too. You know, America, yeah. it, it, it's not like the NBA is a rogue 
actor here. You know what I mean? It's like, this is what right. all, uh, all of America is saying. No, we won't let COVID, we won't let the pandemic get us down. We're going back to business. So it's kind yes. of like, you know, when your boss tells you like, yeah, you got to come back to work. We're back. It's like, well, they're not going to stop collecting my rent. And, you know, right. like the, I still have to pay my electrical bill and I still have to pay yeah. for the heat. So... I might not like it, but this is what the situation is, and that is very much. Yeah, what it might the... it might kill me or or you know my loved ones, but um, but you know what? This is the country that we live in, yeah. And uh, let's we might as well have Just have fun with embrace it, you know? it, yeah, and own yeah. it. And so that's what the NBA is giving us as fantasy yep. basketball GMs and and players. So we're rolling with it, and. Um, yeah, man, we're we're back. So I had a I had a hunch that you were sort of uh, diving in to the deep end with the fantasy uh, basketball prep and research. And while this isn't going to be the fantasy basketball preview, uh, I think that's something that we can probably do at some point over the next couple of weeks. Ben, yeah, I definitely think we should. Um, I believe last season we did a an episode recapping our fantasy basketball draft um, that the league uh, uh, of the league that we're both uh, members of. Um, so maybe we do that this year. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I wonder if any of our listeners, you know, desire us to like give you know draft prep, like analysis, like you know, here's some sleepers, here's some some busts, blah blah blah. Um, I don't feel comfortable doing that with you, Chris. Same because you are um, competition. You know, a, 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 yeah, exactly. You're you're a, you're a fellow, um, you're a peer, you're a fellow GM. Yeah, I, um, I will. So I think we should just put it on record. Like we can't, unfortunately, we can't um, yeah, do any sort sorry. of draft prep with each other. Um, it's not that we wouldn't fucking love that and nerd out on it. It's just in sure. the interest of competitive fantasy basketball. What we're gonna have to do, do is uh, have that episode after our draft. Maybe, maybe just doing yeah. a, uh, you know, a recap, uh, a digest of of how it all went down. Yeah, I think that's what we got to do. And our, now our draft is uh, scheduled scheduled for December twentieth, which is only two days before opening night. Okay. So when we do drop that recap, uh, that draft recap episode. I don't think it's going to be very helpful to people um, who I'm, you know, I think by then pretty much everyone will have already had a draft, anyone who's participating in fantasy basketball. Um, so it won't be, you know, it won't have any sort of uh, value to anyone, but we're still going to do it because, uh, you know, how can we not? How can so, we not? Instead, uh, yeah, look forward to that. Yeah, instead of uh, talking fantasy basketball today, Ben, we are going to do a little, I don't know if preview is the word, but we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference, and next week we're going to talk about the Western Conference. And instead of doing a team-by-team preview, which we will have uh, at some point, um, instead of do- doing a team-by-team preview, what we're going to discuss is just some of the... Yeah, which we, we should tease that a little bit more. Sure. Uh, a lot of our listeners may remember our um, our speed run through all thirty NBA teams last year, yeah. um, where we uh, where we gave our our, uh, our bold predictions and takes uh, for all thirty NBA teams. Uh, we will be doing that again this year, yeah. uh, just prior to the season. I'm not sure exactly how. What we have like fucking 10 days before the season starts. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how we're going to get in all of these episodes, <laughs> all these different episodes. 
Um, but uh, but rest assured, we will be we'll delivering. We have no all choice. All the content that we promise. Yeah, the yeah. OTL demands it of us. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The NBA, you know, soap opera does not stop. So, so instead of uh, doing a team by team preview, Ben and I thought it might be fun. Uh, to talk about just some of the storylines we're most interested in uh, in each conference. And this can mm-hmm. be related to a player, a team, an on-court issue, off-court issue, whatever it is, just something that you're keeping an eye on about as it pertains to teams or players in or fan bases in the Eastern Conference. So right. um, if you want, Ben, I can kick it off uh, with my first topic, my first subject thing, storyline that I'm keeping an eye on. Um, yeah, which go is off, King. the Brooklyn Nets. Um, oh, of course, how could it not be number one? Yeah, number one man, in our hearts. I am really curious about the Brooklyn Nets and how healthy Kevin Durant is. And mm. you know, it's like maybe because I live in New York and I'm a Knicks fan, and maybe it's because we're kind of that that the nets were kind of out of sight out of mind during the nba bubble in orlando but i think oddly as this might sound like the brooklyn nets might be a little bit under the radar i i i i i feel like a year ago at this time everyone was talking about the nets and mm. everyone was wondering about the nets and now it's maybe something like people have forgotten about a little bit or maybe we're we we've just become used to the idea that Kyrie plays for Brooklyn and KD shocked the world and went to Brooklyn and mm-hmm. and we've just had a year to sort of marinate on it and think about it and people care less but now that it's actual basketball time I'm really interested in the Brooklyn Nets and I think the Nets could be pretty damn good and um yeah 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 it's one of those things that that uh, you know it's like there since there hasn't been any actual games with Katie and Kyrie together, like there's only so much that the talking heads can say about this team and everyone's just kinda like, Well, you have to wait and see what Kevin Durant looks like after, you know, his career altering Achilles injury and yeah, there's a chance that he's like fifty percent of the player that he was, you know, a year ago. Um, but there's also a chance that he's just like basically the same and they're like a finals team yeah like that's there's like a huge huge range of possibilities and and i feel like all the experts are like well yeah you can't like give that bold a take about them because you know you just don't know how it's gonna fit and the health and yada yada and Kyrie is always injured and yada yada but like if they're just healthy and it turns out they like i mean i don't see how like if those two players are healthy it's not like they don't fit together they fit perfectly together yeah Kevin Durant fits perfectly with everyone, every single team that he's ever been on because he's one of the top three best players in the entire world when he's healthy. So if they are healthy and things just kind of like click like pretty quickly, it's like, who's to say that? It's not a fucking finals team in the East. Yep. Um, it's like totally like the, the range is like just wide open for them. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when we talk about the Eastern Conference and rightfully so, the conversation always seems to be about uh, you know, two-time MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks, right? And it's like, is mm. this the year that they're going to get over the hump? And, and and we talk about Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat and how, you know, they put a stamp on the conference during the bubble. And we all know about the, the Celtics and the 76ers. And obviously, the Toronto Raptors are the current uh, defending NBA champions. Can't forget about the current champs, no. yeah. So, but I, I think maybe my point here is like the East is way more competitive than its reputation sometimes suggests. 
And mm-hmm. if Brooklyn, if the Nets are healthy and ready to go, and, you know, if they buy into, like, what Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni are teaching and scheming, I mean, they could be really, really dangerous. I mean, you know, in, in Durant and, and uh, Kyrie, it's you have two all-NBA players, um, Kevin Durant, you know, a former MVP, playing alongside a roster of guys who can block shots in Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. You know, they have three-point shooters with Joe Harris and Landry Shamit. They have secondary. Oh, I keep forgetting they have Shamit. Yeah, man. Too they, now. They, they have these. Yeah, they're going to be like. They have Karis they're Levert. They're going to be a sick offense. Karis Levert, Spencer Dinwiddie. So, on paper, they have a lot of tools and a lot of stuff that it's like, well, this should translate to winning basketball. You know, like the way, the way basketball is played nowadays, like this should work, um, assuming everyone is healthy. Obviously, that's the big question. But, right. you know, personally, I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be good, and I think they're going to be potentially very good. I guess what I'm interested to see is how long it takes, how long it takes for it to manifest. It's like, do do these guys come out of the blocks firing and ready to go from game one, or is it going to be the sort of thing that like really truly takes all season long for things to really gel in the way when like LeBron went to Miami? It really took like a full season of them kind of working out the kinks and, you know, like there, I, I, I remember when LeBron went to Miami, I think, I feel like they started the first, you know, 20 games, like 12 and eight. And yeah, they, were, they like, were like, they were like almost like 500. Oh my God. Think, like, like the media, the first, like quarter of the season. Yeah. The media was, was like freaking mind. out. They're like, Oh my God. Like it's a failed experiment. It's like, yeah, just chill. It's a bust. They're chill, <laughs> chill out. They're like figuring out how to play with each other, like relax. So I'm, yeah. I'm curious with the Nets if it's going to be something similar, whether it's like, you know, is it going to really take a lot of massaging and kind of figuring out spots or are these guys going to like instantly know what they're doing? And I, I kind of assume it's going to be the former, not the latter, like especially when you consider that there's a new coaching staff. Um, right. You know, I know that like, I, I, I know that. And by coaching staff, you mean friend staff. Yes. Right, Chris? Yes. Because Ky- Kyrie, Kyrie famously said that. Uh, <laughs> there are no coaches. That Steve Nash could really be, yeah, like less of a coach and more of just like a, like a buddy. A pal. pal. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, you know, they don't really need coaches. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm curious, man. I, and obviously like the Dan Tony element, I think is really something that is underrated and, I, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm certainly not speculating or anything, but like, it does seem to me that if things didn't work out with Steve Nash, uh, D'Antoni would be a very logical person to step right in. Or, or frankly, like maybe he is the the sort of you know de facto coach that is kind of yeah. I was gonna say it, like right? it wouldn't surprise me if he's like basically sort of like making the calls and Steve is like more of a communicator. Yeah, and like like we said, a friend. Yeah, um, yeah, someone that which, really like you know, has we the all re- need. Yeah, has the relationships with these guys. But like I don't know, yeah. man. To think about Kevin Durant playing in Mike D'Antoni's offense is like very exciting and cool. So, um, yeah, I'm curious. A reminder, uh, in the off season, some of the stuff the Nets did, they re-signed Joe Harris. So he signed to a four year, $72 million deal. They acquired Landry Shamit and Bruce Brown, who's a low key, like very useful player. They got him in a three way deal from the Pistons and the Clippers. They got those two guys, Shamit and Brown in that three way deal. They signed Jeff Green, um, they re-signed Tyler Johnson to a, I think, like a minimum level contract. 
And then obviously the big one, they bring in Steve Nash as the head coach and they add Mike D'Antoni uh, as an assistant along with Amare Stoudemire. And uh, uh, yeah, and that's it. Um, so that's what I'm thinking about. That that That's the big one for me is in, when yeah. I think about the Eastern Conference is like, could there potentially be, I don't know, like, could the Nets be the number one seed in the East? I maybe don't. Wouldn't surprise me. I don't I mean, expect they're certainly going to be. Yeah, I don't necessarily expect it, but I guess it wouldn't surprise me. Like, what if they're the two seed or the three seed? Like, we've kind of yeah. had this very fixed idea of what the Eastern Conference power structure looks like, where it's like, it's Giannis and everyone else. And it's like, well, what if Giannis isn't the best player in the conference? Like, what if what if Durant is like looks like an MVP again, you know? Right. So we'll see. They're certainly going to be very, uh, very well rested. Yep. Um, considering the amount of time that uh, that these guys have had off, and yeah, that's the thing about the like. Not only have Durant and, and Irving not played in you know many months and over a year for uh, for KD, but the team didn't. They're like basically the only sort of you know top tier team that wasn't even in the bubble playoffs uh, last season. So they you know they've had more time off than. Uh, you know, the Sixers just barely since the Sixers were swept in the first round, but yeah. like Boston and Miami and Milwaukee, um, you know, all those teams went, went pretty deep. Um, so yeah, they'll, uh, they'll be rested. I feel like they'll be very, you know, ch- champing at the bit as they say. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, I feel like sort of everyone was like, so, so psyched about the possibility of, of the Harden arrival in the, in like a super team. And when that sort of seemed to fizzle, everyone was like, Oh, that's too bad. Like, I guess, right. I guess they won't be like the super team. And so like expectations were sort of like, you know, dampened in a way yeah. when it's like, no, they still have Kyrie and Kevin Durant and Karis LeVert and, yeah. Allen and Joe Harris and I mean, Dinwiddie and like all these like very talented players and sham it. Um, obviously yeah, so Harden, I think is, it's a great- Harden is incredible. And, you know, if you have the chance to get James Harden, I guess, you know, every team in the NBA should try to do it. But I got to say like their supporting cast on the Nets, it's pretty damn exciting too. Like Levert, Tyler Johnson. Did you mention his name? I mentioned Tyler Johnson. Yeah, like Levert, <laughs> Levert, Dinwiddie, Shamit, Joe Harris, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan. Like Tyler Johnson, Jeff Green. I I don't know. I, Bruce I, Brown. Bruce Brown. Like just they, like a random th- like throwing guy. Yeah. Who like you know he I, was like a up and coming star on the Pistons. They got some really interesting pieces. Torian Prince is I believe still yeah. in Brooklyn. So yep, yep. I'm curious, man. Yeah, they just have so much shooting. Like they, like that team is just going to be like just bombing, bombing. Yep. Like I don't know how their defense is going to look. I mean, you know, Jared Allen's a good rim pro- protector, but um, beyond that, they don't have like a whole lot of like wing stoppers. But yeah. but whatever. Like they're going to be like probably a, a top three offense again if they're healthy. Yeah. All right. Give me a team or a player or something related to the Eastern Conference that you're thinking about. I sort of feel like we should probably touch on like the news of the week, which is Harden, yep. who obviously is not in the Eastern Conference, but um, in terms of places that he could land, um, since he very, very, very evidently does not want to uh, play for the Houston Rockets anymore. Um, by the way, like shout out to that guy. I love the, <laughs> like, like, like if we're going to be, like I said, sort of embracing, uh, and, and, and sort of celebrating, um, just the darkness and, and depravity of, uh, 2020 America, like James Harden is, is like my guy. He's doing um, it. Yeah. Like he is living the way, you know, like if I didn't have a, you know, sort of responsibility and accountability and like a family, um, that I was trying to protect, like. 
you know, and also was a millionaire superstar athlete. Um, this is exactly what I would be doing too. You know, just like throwing caution to the wind, just being like, fuck it. Like why, you know, no more like half stepping, like, uh, I'm not going to see my family for Thanksgiving, but I'm going to try to like FaceTime with, you know, zoom with them so I can like keep in touch. Like, no, fuck that. Throw it all out the window and just be like, I'm going to party, um, at a birthday party, uh, in Atlanta and then another birthday party in Las Vegas. And I'm just going to like go nuts inside clubs, uh, in the middle of a pandemic. It's great. I love what he's doing. I love the energy that he's bringing. Um, I love the idea of Tillman Fertitta, like, like reading the, like the Twitter report, like, like news, uh, items and being like, uh, this doesn't, uh, this isn't. This isn't going so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. So the big question is, you know, are they going to try to, like, send him somewhere or are they just going to be like, dude, you still have three years on your contract, you have to play basketball for us? Um, it seems to me like um, if he was going to land in Philly, it probably already would have happened by now. Yeah. Um, it. Oh, but So then, I don't know, like, do they... Like, that's the thing. Like It's like, by now, they all they all know what he wants. Um, so I'm not really sure. Like part of me is like, I guess if it hasn't happened by now, nothing's going to happen. Um, but one of our good friends, Lucas Kavner threw out the idea on a text thread the other day of, uh, him getting shipped to Indiana, um, which would be interesting, um, in exchange for like, you know, some combination of, you know, miles Turner and, uh, Oladipo and draft picks or whatever. Um, so, you know, I, that's obviously like sort of the biggest question mark, which would, could still completely like shake up the whole, uh, landscape of, uh, uh, of the Eastern conference. Um, we, yeah, weirdly, I feel like all the, all those like prospective teams where he might land are, are Eastern conference teams. I don't know if that's like, cause Houston just wants them, wants him out of their conference or what. Um, but it doesn't, I haven't heard like that many other like Western yeah. conference teams like thrown around as potential landing spots um it's kind of kind of feels like if it's going to happen it's going to be brooklyn philly or indiana or it could be a complete wild card who knows um but so yeah that's not really a team storyline as much as just like you know something i sort of felt like we were obliged to uh to touch on so to me one of the weirdest and most intriguing teams in the east is the atlanta hawks um you know, we covered in our last, uh, whatever, our free agency recap episode, just like the flourish of, 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 you know, moves they made, which like sort of on paper makes sense because they just signed a bunch of like good basketball, like good, like serviceable to very good basketball players. Um, but it doesn't really make any sense, like how they're all going to fit together. Um, and it feels like a lot of their moves were like, you know, just like actively indicating that a lot of the younger players that they had, you know, invested high draft picks and like a lot of like, you know, sort of um, organizational capital into, it seems like they were just like sort of giving up on. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. So they, you know, they have these, these, their superstar Trey Young, um, obviously is like their building block. And a lot of people thought that their sort of second building block was John Collins um, but they signed Danilo Gallinari, who I guess is going to be coming off the bench, um, since he plays, I mean, it's possible they could try to start him as a small forward, but, um, as everyone has noted, he's just not able to, to defend on the wing. 
um, at this point in his career. Uh, so, and John Collins is, is clearly can't be a five because they also have Clint Capella, um, that they, who they traded, did they, yeah, they traded for him last year, right? Yep. Or was it a signing? Nope. I forget. I nope. They traded trade. for him in the middle of the season. They, I think it was a three team deal that wound up with Robert Covington going to Houston and Clint Capella uh, going right. to Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. Who did Atlanta give up in that trade? I think it was draft picks. I I, I think basically uh, uh, Minnesota parted ways with Covington and they wound up getting draft picks and Capella went to Atlanta. So yeah, so they they brought in Gallinari. So he's like, I guess going to be a backup, um, which is strange. And then they brought in Bogdan Bogdanovich, who is most likely going to be a starter. and then they also have Chris Dunn, who they signed, um, who I guess can play some one, but mostly two, um, and Rajon Rondo, who's going to be backing up Trey Young. Um, and then they still have all these other guys um, that they've drafted in the past three years, Kevin Horter, DeAndre Hunter, and Cam Reddish. Um, and it just feels like, and I, yeah, oh, and not to mention their uh, their big draft pick this year, Onyeka Okongwu, um, who's a center, backing up Capella who I guess could also play some four, maybe. Um, I don't totally know his um, sort of like profile, but uh, but it's just like a lot of names and a lot of guys where you're like, oh, I thought Cam Reddish was sort of going to be like their their dude that they're going to try to like, you know, really develop. Um, but he's probably going to get like, I don't know, like under 20 minutes a game um, in this like current ro- roster setup. Um, I mean, maybe they're going to trade John Collins, Um move him it seems like for some reason they just don't like him um which is strange i mean i guess he's got like you know not that great defensive instincts um really more of just like an offensive um um you know kind of like superstar but um yeah i don't know it's just a very weird collection of of names all of which seem kind of redundant and overlapping um and i think it's gonna be really interesting to see like how that works and how they manage that um i mean lloyd pierce is like a really good coach so so it sort of seems like they they have a plan it's it's like it doesn't feel like a like a sacramento king situation where it's just like oh god they have no idea what the fuck they're doing and they're just gonna like make a complete mess of this um and like you know pretty much ruin every player's uh, like value and 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 uh and um what's the word um development but um so i like sort of have like a, a strange like faith in them um but I'm also just very confused, uh, yeah. and I don't really see how it's gonna just, gonna work. And I don't understand what the end game is. You know, it, it's kind of like they were had like years and years of being like mediocre, and the Hawks were kind of like a laughingstock team a little bit. You know, always stuck in the lottery. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like this off season is very much about them. You know, getting to respectability and making a playoff push. Honestly, it's very mm-hmm. reminiscent of like what the Knicks have done for many off seasons, which was like, we are the laughing stock. Let's try to chase the eighth seed. And Mm -hmm. I I, I don't mean to like pan what they did in, in quite the same way, but like, you know, the Hawks obviously bolstered their roster with, with, with win now kind of players. You know, they added, like you said, Rondo, they add Bogdanovich, Gallinari, Chris Dunn. They also drafted Okongwu out of USC, who seems like he's going to be a really good player. And yet, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not so sure. And I don't, I just don't fully believe maybe, maybe it's that like, I just don't fully believe that Trey Young 
is like the end all be all. I don't know. And, and, or, or maybe it's that I think, you know, Trey Young's a fantastic player, but I'm not sure adding like Danilo Gallinari at the expense of John Collins or adding uh, Okongwu at the expense of Clint Capella or vice versa at Clint Capella at the expense of Okongwu. I'm not sure that suddenly makes, I'm not sure that makes a team that's been stuck in the lottery suddenly like a fourth seed or a fifth seed in the East. I mean, adding, adding Capella, Gallinari, Bogdanovich to a team with Trey Young and John Collins, Obviously, like there's going to be some incredible offensive punch, but Trey Young is a terrible defender. Gallinari mm-hmm. and Collins struggle to guard fours. Capella mm-hmm. and Okongwu are really nice rim protectors. They're definitely upgrades in the paint. Chris Dunn is obviously obviously like a beast defensively, but I don't know mm-hmm. like how how many minutes is is Chris Dunn playing in crunch time, you know, like at the, at the end of a game. So I guess the big thing for me is like, I'm confused about what the expectations are for the team. Like, seems like hopes are very high. I'm curious what, you know, the GM Travis Schlank thinks this team is like what he actually expects to happen. Um, I'm curious like what he imagines they'll be able to do and, how they'll be able to maneuver in like a year or two down the line. Like Gallinari and Collins don't strike me as long-term fits side by side playing together. And they just paid Gallinari. So is the plan to Yeah, quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah. Is the plan to trade off Collins? Is the plan to, and and the same with Okongwu and, and Capella. Like I can't imagine you draft Okongwu with the intention of having him be a guy that plays 15 20 minutes a night like that you know what did i think they drafted him with the eighth pick or the ninth pick whatever it was or no yeah I th- like no that. it was higher than that they drafted before the Knicks. Was the Knicks it? picked eighth i think the okongwu went sixth i think i think to the hawks oh, wow. yeah so it's yeah, like if you're the very sixth, very yeah and and to your point about reddish and uh deandre hunter it's like i think deandre hunter i think they traded up in last year's draft they selected him fourth overall yeah. right yeah, they expended a shitload of capital to get DeAndre Hunter. Right. So uh, and it sort of seems like they were just like, oh, whoops, that was that was a mistake. Yeah, like you don't um, just make those moves. And and by the way, I think they're really good players. Like DeAndre Hunter's a good player. Cam Radish is a really yeah. really good looking prospect. Okongwu. Yeah. Really you know who good. I love is Kevin Werder. I think yeah, Werder is like awesome. Like I was like really excited to see him kind of like you know. That's why I say bit. to me it feels a little Nixy. Like because the Knicks were yeah. always the team where. It was like, all right, like you just drafted RJ Barrett third overall. Um, now it's gonna now you have to like you you got lucky. You got to you got to draft RJ Barrett. Now you have to do the legwork of like actually developing him, giving him minutes on the court, and don't be afraid mm-hmm. to let him make mistakes. Like it's he's yeah. he's a he's a 20-year-old kid. Like that's what this is about. And yeah, I, I give him like three, four, five years to like develop into like the player that he's going to be. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm a little worried about the Hawks with with Reddish and Hunter. And I just hope Okongwu finds his way onto the court because it seems like now suddenly there's a lot of there are a lot of like veteran pieces in front of them. And to me, like I was alluding to before, this all leads back to like Trey Young. To me, it's management's mm-hmm. way of saying like. Hey, we're on the clock with Trey Young now. You know, like he's gonna be the one. Right. Of these, he's gonna be one of these disgruntled young stars. Taking time bomb. Yeah, he's yep. a ticking time he's, bomb. If we don't get him uh, yep. into the playoffs, if we don't get him the eighth, he's gonna scene, go. He's gonna go join up with Giannis. He's uh, gonna join for, uh, for, a, for a super team in Orlando. Or exactly. Something. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. Um, yeah. so I don't know. I'm 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 kind of confused, like you said, about what the Hawks are doing. 
Yeah, and it feels to me like they were clearly like a team in a rebuilding and developmental mode. Um, and then instead of like, like they short circuited that and kind of like, um, you know, sort of, sort of took a shortcut, but not a shortcut to get to like, oh, boom, like landing a huge superstar to like, you know, in, in free agency, more of a shortcut to just like jump into like, right. Like, like mediocrity. Maybe, maybe mediocrity instead of like real, real sh- like garbage. Um, but mediocrity at the expense of develop, like, so like who's yeah, the eighth like seed, they, who's the eighth seed last year in the playoffs for, for the East? I think it was, was the it magic, Orlando. Right? Yeah. It was like yeah, the magic yeah. or the, or the nets with all the injuries, one or the other. And it's right. like, you know, at the end of the day, who's aspiring to be the Orlando magic of the East in terms of like being the eighth seed? Like yeah. no, no, like no that, one except Orlando. Yeah. No one should be aspiring to that. Um, Right. So and like if they are going to turn guys like Reddish and Hunter and Horder into like you know really good starting level players that they can then you know flip uh, and you know trade like packets together for like a you know bigger name like they need to give those guys more time to develop like now they're just going to be sort of stuck yes um, and yeah so I don't know it's all very strange Dude, but I, um, I'll say but I'm one, so intrigued I'll say one last thing me too I'm I'm very intrigued by that team and I'm going to be watching them a lot on league pass um, one last thing which is like I said this all comes back to Trey Young I actually think it all comes back to even beyond Trey Young to Travis Schlenk and I do mm-hmm. low-key think that the pink elephant in the room is Luka Doncic that yeah <laughs> trey young hanging hanging over all of this <laughs> dude trey young is always going to be the guy that was traded yeah. for luka Doncic, and so unfortunate to, and Such to be a clear fucking, like curse on an entire career <laughs> and it's it's not just trey it was, so it's trey young and cam reddish the pick that became cam reddish were traded for luka Doncic, and it's kind of right. like i do kind of think that travis Schlank is always going to be chasing that ghost and prove and mm-hmm. trying to sort of like prove that like, Hey, no, we were right. Like I know everyone's really excited about Luca and Luca is this generational player, but like we got a really good one too. Like, see, we're going to be in the playoffs as well. Like, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's very dangerous because the truth is that, you know, he may never be as good as Luca, but Trey Young's a fabulous player. And like any Yeah, te- Trey Young's awesome. Any team would be so lucky and stoked to have Trey Young as their starting point guard. But that doesn't mean right. that you should shortchange the team building process at the expense of making the eighth seed. And I'm a little worried that that's what's happening right now. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's like they looked at not just Luca, but like the Mavericks and they were like, Oh, well shit. Like, look, they already made the playoffs last year. Right. Um, like we need to be on the you know, same, at least keep pace, yep. keep pace with them <laughs> pretty much um, as a, as a franchise, which, yeah, it's like, but you guys were on, you, you were already on like a different track. Like your whole, your, your, the context of your team was totally different from Dallas and yep. you didn't have uh yeah. So um, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I guess we shall, uh, we shall see as, as I like to say, Chris, um, let's see if they can, uh, with all these new pieces, let's see if they can make it work. <laughs> 
All right, I'm gonna give you one here and help help me out here with, with this team. Happy to. Another team uh, or storyline that I'm keeping an eye on this year in the Eastern Conference is, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks. It's make or break time for the Milwaukee Bucks. Who boy, is it ever? Talk about a ticking time bomb. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the off season, in the off season, the, the Bucks GM, John Horst, went all in. He traded for Drew Holiday in hopes of both, you know, bolstering his team's chances of of winning a title this year, but also really like securing a commitment from Giannis Antetokounmpo to sign a long-term contract with Milwaukee. And, you know, obviously Drew Holiday is an upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. You know, Holiday is this elite defender. He has this incredible offensive package. I think last year he averaged like 19 points, five rebounds, almost seven assists a game. He shot like 35% from three. And so obviously really spectacular player, but in acquiring holiday, it does seem like Horst and the Bucks have effectively punted on the future. You know, they, they not only gave up depth at at the point guard position in terms of giving up George Hill and Eric Bledsoe um, and, and, and giving up some leadership there. But they also surrendered three first-round picks and then two pick swaps with New Orleans. And yeah. I think of like, it's almost like regardless of whether or not Giannis signs long-term, they've got to win now because they won't be winning later. So it's it's either going to happen now or or not later because the way yeah. they've built, or I should say the way to build long-term sustainable success, this is no secret, is through the draft, Ben. It's, it's by retaining your picks, by making savvy decisions in the draft and utilizing young yep, Tanking your ass off. Yeah, yeah. Taking, getting as many shots at a superstar as you can. Yeah, and utilizing young players on, on cheap, affordable contracts. because And, and the yes. truth is, it doesn't always mean uh, getting the, the player drafted number one overall. Sometimes it's like drafting Tyler Hero with like the you know 12th pick or the 15th pick, who's mm-hmm. a super valuable player who comes in right away and hits and has a real valuable role on the team, and he's locked in on a, on a very affordable contract, and suddenly Tyler Hero can be really valuable on, on a team in the NBA Finals. And so the, the Bucks have punted on their ability to have those young, affordable players. And so really the only avenue that they uh, have to improve is through free agency now and trades. Mm. And, um, and that's with or without Giannis. Because <laughs> Giannis could walk and they'll be in that predicament, or if he stays right. and size long term, they're in that predicament. I mean, obviously they've made right. some other moves here. Um, they signed DJ Augustine, they signed Tory Craig, they got Bryn Forbes and Bobby Portis and Nick Stauskas to fill out the roster. So we'll see what those additions look like alongside Drew Holiday. Um, but I'm curious, yeah, like uh, like I said, I'm curious if Drew Holiday can help them get over the hump and. Um, you know, obviously they've they've kind of fizzled out of the playoffs the last few seasons. So I'm very curious, man. It's it's really make or break time for uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about them. I mean, we, we joke a lot about how uh, you know this is a, a franchise in complete shambles, and that Giannis, um, you know, basically has a uh, one toe remaining, um, you know, in in the door. But um, but I am a really big fan of Drew Holiday's, and I am really excited to see what he's able to do. Um, in the playoffs, really for the first time, like with like a, a team with like a legit chance. I know he was there with New Orleans um, back in the Anthony Davis days, but um, you know that that team like clearly like wasn't really going anywhere. Um, uh, you know, too too deep. Um, 
I do think he's like a major upgrade over Eric Bledsoe, who famously flamed out in, you know, playoff after playoff. So yep. um, I'm pretty excited to see. I mean, this team is obviously going to be a top three seed probably um, without, you know, barely playing their guys over 30 minutes a game. Um, so it's really all about just like, what are they going to look like in the playoffs? And I do think that holiday is going to be a big upgrade. Um, and, uh, yeah, like they still have, you know, a great surrounding cast, even without, you know, with, with Bogdan, Bogdanovich, uh, falling through, uh, their fingertips. Uh, you know, all these guys are like experienced. They're, you know, they're, they're, I think they're going to be very, very good still. Um, and, I sort of feel like everyone's sort of tired of them. Um, yeah. And it's kind of fun just to be like, uh, Giannis is just regular season MVP, but he, you know, cause they haven't even gotten to a conference finals yet. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Dude, it feels so they, like it, the energy, the vibes feel a lot like LeBron at the end of his first tenure with the Cavs where the Cavs mm-hmm. were just like, pulling in Antoine Jameson to be like, yeah, Mm -hmm. see, like, does this make you happy? And they're just like literally throwing things at him and, and like accruing like debt. It always just felt like they were like in this massive salary cap, like, (laughs) like over the tax and, you know, just out of options. So it it does. Yeah. So it feels sort of bad and, and dark there, but you, like have to remember like they also have a fucking awesome incredible player of very very good players yeah um and i think that they're gonna be like very very good again it's almost like with the with the brooklyn thing when when the harden deal seemed to like sort of you know disintegrate everyone was like oh like i guess it's not gonna happen for them this year and then because you just like the hope and the fantasy of like what could could have been like totally like kind of erases like what's still actually there in reality. Um, so yeah, it turns out, uh, Giannis is probably still going to be very good. Uh, Middleton is very good. Dante DiVincenzo is a guy I'm keeping my eye on. Um, I can sort of see him being like a a sneaky, you know, like, Oh, he's not Bogdan Bogdanovich, but maybe he's even better. Um, yeah, I think he's, uh, he's still developing and, and, uh, could take some steps. So, um, yeah, yeah, we uh, we shall see. All right, give me one more team, one more player, one more storyline that you're uh, keeping your eye on in the Eastern Conference. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. I mean, I'm just going through. I mean, we could obviously talk about the Sixers uh, sure. and give everything me, that give, they're doing. Give me your thoughts on the Sixers. I didn't, um, I didn't have anything too fleshed out here on the Sixers, but like. Yeah, I'm curious about Doc Rivers, right? Can like Doc Rivers lead the Sixers and finally, you know, can that team really be a good polished group that's ready to compete for the NBA finals? Right. Um again, like this take would will would completely change if they ever put together a, a good enough package to to snag James Harden. Well, um, give me your thoughts but, on that. Like, do you, uh, as a as a uh, the resident Sixers fan on on the podcast, yeah. like, do you want to see them acquire Harden, or are are you looking for them to wait <laughs> it out? Um, if they need to give up Ben Simmons to get James Harden, I would not do it. Yeah. Um, which a lot of people might think is crazy, but um, uh, yeah, I don't think I would do that if they could somehow get Harden with a package of um, Tobias Harris and Matisse Thibel and 
Tyrese Maxey and whatever, however many other players they need to throw in with like, you know, 10 years worth of draft picks. Um, that would be pretty interesting. I would be pretty into that. It would obviously be like kind of crazy to have a player as divisive as James Harden in the sports city of Philadelphia. Um, and I would probably start listening to uh, the hell's the radio station W WIP WIP. Yeah, that's what it is. I'd probably have to start tuning into that on a much more, uh, regular daily basis uh just to hear all the insanity um it would be yeah it would be like in some ways it would kind of i think also another uh thing that lucas once said to us on a text thread was that it would kind of like break his brain like it doesn't really make any sense uh the idea of james harden in philly like it would just it would just kind of like overload um like my my like processor a little bit um so just from that perspective alone i'd be i would love to see it (laughs) to see what like what it feels like um in practice um also i think that would be very good um you know because james harden is is really good and uh you know would fit in i think pretty seamlessly with Embiid and simmons um but yeah if that doesn't happen um which it probably won't uh i still you know how can you not be intrigued by this team they you know famously flamed out last season um shook everything up with the new gm and a new head coach and I mean, I, you can't help but think like this is going to be this is going to look and feel like a totally different team. Um, the fact that Doc Rivers came out and was like, yeah, I'm not too worried about Ben Simmons shooting. Like, I just want him to be an effective player um, is incredible. Like, I think like just the feeling of like weight lifting off my shoulders um, and like imagining him just actually being able to like do what he does well and not live under this like burden of like you need to shoot corner threes. Otherwise you're a complete bust of a basketball player um, is like incredibly intriguing and appealing. And um, I love Ben Simmons. I'm always rooting for him uh, to, uh, to silence the, the haters. So yeah, I would uh, really, really like to see that. Um, I mean, you know, Matisse Thibel, one year older, um, love to see like what, uh, what Shake Milton's going to look like. He had like kind of a big, end of the season and then which was sort of like forgotten about when when the season stopped um and uh obviously like the new pieces seth curry and um um, um who else did they pick up danny green like, oh danny green yeah dwight howard of course you know one of our uh switch fm's uh, all-time faves um so yeah there's just like a lot of stuff to be like ooh, how's this gonna look how's this gonna feel um totally different offense um and uh, I can't wait. I'm very excited. I think they're going to be better than they were last year. How could, I mean, that's not, that's a pretty low bar. Um, so, um, yeah, I, uh, who's the, did Doc bring, he brought in new assistant coaches too, right? I feel like there's like, oh, um, fucking Sam Cassell. That's right. Sam Cassell is now like, like Ben Simmons, is like, like coaching guru. Yeah. Um, which I love, love the idea of, of having a cell on the sidelines. Um, God, man, he's you know, going to follow just... us all our days. Sam Cassell is going <laughs> to oh, be yeah, haunting us forever. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, as much as I hated him as a player, I, I like sort of love him. Oh now. man. I, um, I mean, as... I, I think I speak for the both of us. Like we hated him with, and so admired him like he i would love yeah if, yeah. if he was ever on the knicks i would just have been oh yeah overjoyed. i would, I would welcome him with open arms yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. what what a exactly. gutsy gutsy player drove us crazy yeah yeah 
give me a give me a Cassell Haywood Workman pairing on the bench. Sure, um, sure, please. All right, cool, man. That's the Sixers. Let me give you one or two more kind of quick thoughts that I'm thinking about, and then I have sure. one big Do a quick thing. Quick little speed round. Yeah, one big thing I want to discuss with you, which isn't necessarily Eastern Conference related, but like just basketball mm. related. So a couple things okay. I'm kind of keeping my eye on, curious about. Low key, I sort of wonder if. Russell Westbrook goes into like FU mode here with the Washington Wizards mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, can the Wizards be maybe much better than we're giving them credit for um, frisky yeah I mean like listen I, and when I say much better than we expect them to be like can they be the sixth seed can they be the fifth seed um, yeah look I know this is not like uh, whatever like the most important thing in the world but like I do think it's kind of interesting that we've thought about this John Wall. It seems like we, the NBA uh, media uh, podcasting community, has like kind of thought about this John Wall Westbrook trade as like, oh, it's you're trading one headache for the other. It's like, well, all right, right. let's relax a little bit because Westbrook was an all NBA player last year and John Wall hasn't played basketball in two years. Like, John yeah. Wall has a had a ruptured Achilles tendon. And, you know, is on this, like, massive contract. And while Westbrook makes a fortune as well, he wasn't all-NBA player last year. And, you know, we're not talking about someone that's, like, in his 40s. He's, like, 32, 31. Uh, granted, yeah, I understand... still pretty effective at, at what he does. Like, yeah. there are limitations, but, like, in the right system, clearly, like, yeah, he can, he can fucking... Yeah, raise, d- raise, a, raise a floor a little bit. Sure, and I do wonder if playing next to Bradley Bradley Beal is maybe a little bit better for him than playing with James Harden. I don't know. I'm not, mm-hmm, I'm not saying mm-hmm. like they're going to be a great team, but I just think at this point we're now uh, underrating Westbrook a little bit, oddly, in, in, a, mm-hmm. in, in a strange way. Um, so I'm, I was thinking about that. I'm curious about how... <laughs> how bad the Pistons might be. Um, they have a really sure. bizarre roster. So I'm uh, I'm curious what is going to happen with the Pistons. Are they in full tank mode? Are they trading assets off? Are they trying to uh, trade Blake Griffin away? Are they trying to make the playoffs? I'm not really sure what's happening there. I'm curious Who about... the hell knows? Yeah, yeah, I'm curious about the Knicks. Um, are the Knicks... Are the Knicks... A, a playoff team. Well, are the no are the Knicks a really <laughs> bad rebuilding team headed to the lottery, or are the Knicks a scrappy rebuilding team headed to the lottery? Either mm. way, they're they're going to the lottery. But I'm curious: will they have? Will they lose with heart, or will they lose with like with ineptitude, disinterest? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and then most importantly, with the Knicks, I'm I'm curious: is you know, do they get frisky? at any point this year with that available salary cap space and try to swing some sort of a trade. And if they mm. do, what is their idea of something that they're interested in? Like, are they interested in um, a player that is going to be on the books for three or four years to come, or are they just looking to clear more space? I'm curious where organizationally they're at, but one thing I do feel pretty confident about is I think RJ Barrett is going to be a better player this year. I think he's actually going to look like a competent NBA player, and 
you know, I've heard it on other podcasts and I don't think we can, uh, overstated enough. Like the Knicks have not had a professional basketball coach in years. And, um, (laughs) I do think that guys like Kevin Knox, who I have remarkably not lost faith in somehow, and um, <laughs> really? and and I, I I actually believe in guys like Knox and Barrett. I do think that they're mm-hmm. especially Barrett. I think there's a mm-hmm. a real chance that R.J. Barrett looks like a very promising NBA player uh, under the uh, leadership and guidance of uh, Coach Tom Thibodeau. But yeah, all all this uh, th- those are just some quick thoughts. The big thing that I was curious about and thinking about and wanting to discuss with you. Again, this mm-hmm. isn't necessarily like an Eastern Conference storyline. It's more of a league-wide thing, but it's COVID. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah I'm curious yeah, what the effects. Yeah, of, I forgot about that. Yeah, I'm curious what the effects of COVID have on players this year from mm. an engagement and like enthusiasm standpoint. And here's yeah. here's what I mean more specifically. Like, are players enthusiastic? and excited about playing ball as they usually are. Um, And will the changes off the court that people are grappling with affect their on-court play? Um, And then one thing I'm kind of keeping an eye on is, you know, the NBA has this new policy where they won't be testing for marijuana this year. And I'm curious, Mm. like does that affect the quality of the play for the better or for the worse? Like, will we notice as well, it would be, as we all know, Chris, um, you know, marijuana slows the game down, improves vision. Um, I, for one, yeah, I kind of forgot about that storyline, but I, I that could be a more entertaining product, right? Like to watch people with blurry vision. I mean, blurred vision, you mean improved vision. Um, and, and yeah, just a, 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 you know, heightened awareness. Mm. Um, uh, I think that I, yeah, I'm, I'm actually really excited to see, and this is like not even really joking or ironic. Like I assume that most NBA players will not play, you know, under the, um, you know, like current influence of the drug, but Hey, if a couple of them, you know, do that, um, I uh, I think it could only help. Well, and, I'm, uh, I'm curious and, if if you and I will notice any difference, because I have, yeah, I, have, I mean, I think I, it'd be pretty hard to to to, to detect with the naked eye. But here, um, here's what I really mean. But like, I'm gonna I, go I think, ahead and assume. I think players have been smoking weed in the NBA for years and years, and they have probably oh, very sophisticated you know workarounds to not test positive. And so, sure, I think. Honestly, this is Adam Silver giving an olive branch to to the players. Yeah, knowing, I think it's definitely more of a more of a PR move. Yeah, it's right? like we know how badly we are screwing you over by asking you to play during a pandemic. So why don't <laughs> we just openly encourage you to self medicate with marijuana because it's such mm-hmm. a depressing time right now? Yeah, and, listen, we all need something to get through this winter, and I think that's great. I think that's great. Um, yeah, what I'll I'm, take it. I mean, it's obviously not as good as, you know, health not insurance season, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. but what I'm curious is if you and I, the kind of lay layperson fan notices any difference in terms of play on the court. And then I, I just keep thinking about this, like James Harden thing that we've witnessed the last week. Like, are we going to start seeing players 
going not crazy, but just like kind of going, just losing it. Just being like, this sucks. I'm going to like turning like pure nihilist. Like nothing fucking matters. Nothing matters. Like Like, my friend's having a birthday party. I really want to go, whatever I'm going to go. I, you can't stop me from doing what I want to do. And I'm just curious, like how is like a player going to have like a mental break, like during a game, just like take his Jersey off and like lie down at center court, like during live action, Yeah, man. Or I, you know, like talk about the Carl Towns thing, man. Like, yeah, no, like all joking aside, that's yeah, no, like when you said like our players gonna like lose interest in playing, the first thing I thought was, well, I know one that certainly will, um, because he already said that he has lost interest in playing, and that's Carl Anthony Towns, who lost six or seven, is it seven uh, family members, yeah. extended family members to COVID nineteen, including his mother. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't right, like, and that's something like uh, as as uh, you know fans of the league as as you know uh evaluators people who are obsessed with fantasy basketball and number crunching it's one of those things where like you can't really account for certain things you know where it's like you know if carl anthony towns for instance has like statistically a terrible year it's it it actually could mean nothing about like who he is as a basketball player and it might just be like yeah well he was severely depressed and like, you know, like, and so I'm curious this year what we can actually learn about players um, and like teams. Right. Like as, as like human beings almost more than as basketball players, like sure. But also, also as basketball players, like if, if someone has a terrible year, like, can we really, can we really like allow that to mean anything? I don't think so. Right. Does it count? Yeah. Like, or if someone, or vice versa, like, what if someone has an incredible year? It's like, well, maybe they just got really lucky and didn't know anyone who died, or I, I, I don't know, man. Like, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how COVID affects players and teams this year. Like, uh, you know, what happens if if the Lakers lose LeBron for thirty games or forty games and they miss the playoffs? Like, right. are we suddenly going to say, hey, you know? the Lakers are a failure. It's, 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 it's going to be very interesting to try to digest like the effects of COVID and apply any sort of meaning to it because I'm not really sure that we can, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, that's, that's why I've taken the approach of, uh, of just kind of like nihilistically leaning into, uh, the despair and, uh, and darkness because, uh, yeah, if you actually try to like grapple with it um, on a you know kind of like on, at face value, it's uh, it's not that doesn't feel great. Doesn't feel good. It's um, awful. Yeah. One last note um, storyline I'm following is uh, just how much money the NBA can spend on getting the first round of vaccines for their players. <laughs> um, I I can't wait to see. Uh, the NBA make the argument that, um, you know, as sort of symbolic uh, leaders of uh, the American spirit, their basketball players uh, deserve vaccines before healthcare workers. Before frontline That'll be workers. really cool. Yeah, that, that'd be yeah. a really good story. Uh, yeah. All right, Ben. Uh, I think we're going to call it quits here. This is great. As always, <laughs> On that note. <laughs> talking to you. We will catch up with you uh, next week, if not later in the week, should an emergency 
drop. Otherwise, man, have a good week, and we will touch base with you in a little bit. All right. I will uh, see you in hell, my friend. <laughs> All right. Send me a postcard. You can listen to Switch. 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 Switch